Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the show where a real statistics professor and his cousin gives you sports betting tips. I am your host, Professor Sides, with the latest updates, information, and picks. You can follow me on Twitter at Professor Sides. You can follow my cousin Jared on Twitter at Cousin Jared. This college football episode covers select games for week six of the 2022 season. In case you're new here, it's a mathematical model that predicts what the spread should be for every FBS college football game. Then information along with each team's power rating and a graded A, B, or C pick, either now or coming later for every game, is available in the Google Sheet that is linked in the show's description. The goals for this episode are to share key information about the games we're covering, give you a few things to think on, and explain why certain plays are being made in order for you to come up with picks that you are comfortable with. We never recommend blindly tailing or fading any pick, but rather to hear the justifications and thought processes to make sure you're fully on board with us or against us before investing your hard-earned money. So I like to say, take what you like and leave the rest. As we go through the plays room, there are no locks and gambling. So what I'll give you are loves, likes, and leans indicate my confidence level with respect to scaling wagers or making them. Because Jared will also be utilizing a weighted unit scale for this college football season. And as always, please remember that good and bad variants will occur. So as much as I'd like to say will be profitable each and every week, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Because uh, Jared, I feel like a big episode here in front of us. We talked about it on episode one. There were so many things we liked yep. that didn't even get to cover there. And I feel like this episode, I didn't even have to stretch to grab anything. We're covering 19 more games and every single one of them is like, I like something about this game. Like, I don't know what this means. It's going to be a big yeah. week. Good or bad, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one way or the other. This is definitely the most excited I've been for the, for the middle episode of a week, I think, all season. Yes. So I say let's just dive right into it because we've got a lot of things we want to talk about. All right, let's do it. But before we get to that, some reminders with that like button if you're on YouTube. Also, if you aren't yet, please consider subscribing or following. It's free. And if you turn on notifications, you'll miss any college basketball, MLB, or college football content that this channel provides. As a reminder, we started by Patreon page for those of you looking to support the show. Membership starts at just $3 per month. I probably do a very poor job indicating the benefits of this because I'm not a marketer, but... <laughs> What you can get is you can get my favorite play each day. If you just highlight one play instead of like on the shows, I just give you like a billion plays. You know, if you want just the one play or sometimes there's two, you know, if I have two plays in the day or whatever, you, know, you can get that. College Football Saturdays, I give you one play per time. So if you're my favorite for each time slot, you can get that over on Patreon. We have a Discord chat where we talk about a lot of the games, early line movements, people ask questions. You get a lot quicker responses from us because they get notifications on my phone. So people are constantly, people Sunday were, you know, hey, what do you think about this line? What do you, th you know, whatever we're kind of talking about that stuff. So that's some fun stuff there. Uh, if you want ad-free shows, if you want early access to the shows, early access to the projected spreads, I'm always saying that the numbers move the direction of sideline like two out of three, three out of four times. We've already seen it today. I went back and looked at every game that I picked on the first episode. Only one of them has moved away from the number that the model projected. Every other one has either stayed the same or moved yep. in that direction. Some have moved a lot. I think Mississippi State was one of them has moved already yep. across six and across seven. Yeah, it's like eight nine. now, yeah. Yeah, eight, eight, eight yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and so it's like, that's why you might want the early access to that is because you maybe you don't like, the, you don't have to play them all, but you can kind of say, hey, I know, I kind of got to feel where I think the line's going because it's a pretty right. accurate tool. Uh, but like you said, we'll get right to it here. All the lines courtesy of Bet. Online sign up link in the show description and current as the time of this recording, it is Tuesday night here while we're doing this. We have a Wednesday night game. We talked about this game last week, SME and UCF uh, delayed from the hurricane. It was Saturday, then it was going to be Sunday. Now it's Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Sideline has a little bit softer of a projection on this one than last week. It gives SMU a little bit more credit or, or UCF a little bit less credit, I guess, um, just based off of 
other teams playing and those results now affecting how we feel about these teams. And it's more than just one game. Obviously, TCU looked really good. That makes you know SMU look better, but it's just all the games like that. So Southern's projection is a little bit different this week. I'm still on UCF minus three, and it's still a B grade pick. Last week, the, the model liked UCF a little bit more, but we had to lay minus 115. Right now, it's even money. So it's kind of like a, a, a solid slide each way. So I think still think the values there. I still think UCF's a good side here at minus three. Would not lay three and a half and minus three minus 110 isn't that exciting either but the even money is as of right now minus three even money is the exact same value proposition as minus 135 on the money line so it's kind of a personal preference there high scoring game could be a wonky somebody goes for too late <laughs> that sort of thing yeah, yeah. uh so maybe the three is a problem but in general I don't mind laying three, so I'm just going to lay the three. It's a great pick for me. A total of this one, 63 and a half. And because, Jerry, we talked about this one last week. You liked the under, and the total was 64 and a half, and then it was, or, you know, it was 65 yeah. and a half, and it was 63 and a half. The total's all over the place. I'm going to let you talk about the total here real quick. Yeah, yeah. So I, I locked in 64 and a half last week on bed stamps. So for grading purposes, that's what we'll go with. Uh, if you kind of went back and, and kind of remembered what I said there, this total got all the way up to 65 and a half uh, earlier this week on, on uh, when we recorded Sunday night. And so and that would have I mean, been, and that would have been kind of after the number had changed, after the data changed. That way, they re put it back. So that bet your your sixty four and a half probably would have been canceled, but you could have got it back. You could have re entered the market on Monday at sixty five and a half, which is extra, an extra, probably not a huge point, but an extra point better yep. than we yep. got it last week. Yep, yeah, and sixty five being a fairly key number there in that area. So yeah, sixty five and a half is a uh, quite more advantageous than what I had at sixty four and a half. It's down to sixty three and a half now. I actually wouldn't play it at that number because uh, my buy point here was kind of sixty four. So uh, for grading purposes, because it's already locked in on best stamp, we'll go with sixty four and a half. Uh, but you know, as you're watching the markets throughout the week, or I guess for for this, as you watch the, the twenty four today, hours, yeah, the, the eighteen yeah, hours, twelve the, hours, depends on yeah, <laughs> this, this is up. Uh, if it goes uh, up to sixty four, I'm fine playing under there. If it gets back. 65 even better love love the under 65 or shopping around there might be a shop that's still holding on to yep. that number as well yep, so there you uh, go. again i'll always shop around trying to get the best every half number you can get something like that yep. uh always uh we covered two of the friday games that we really liked and i think both those numbers moved our direction as well already in episode one we're gonna cover the other two right now so we covered all the midweek games here in episode one or two nebraska at rutgers i'm gonna do something a little bit unique on this i'm gonna split my play between nebraska between rutgers plus three and the money line at plus 115 it's about the same value proposition i'm giving it a b grade so i'm doing one unit on each it's a total of 48 I like grabbing the three, but I think Rutgers' chance to win this game at home. I'm not buying the narrative about Nebraska, any narrative, but it's positive about Nebraska. They didn't yeah, win yeah. Uh, this last week, but they looked kind of still miserable at times. And I think, I, I personally think, and I could be wrong, this is why I said our goals are to explain what we're thinking and why we're thinking it. If you disagree, that's totally fine. My thought is that says more about Indiana than Nebraska. And so I, I still don't think Nebraska is that good. I think Rutgers is solid. I think. Both these teams are just kind of met. If, according to sideline, uh, Nebraska's ranked 66, Rutgers is 78. I mean, two just very met teams. I think take the home team, get the field goal or the plus odds. Either one, I think, offers a little bit of value. So that's why I'm going to split the bet between the two. I don't know what happens, but I just think, again, points or plus odds makes sense because I just don't think either one of these teams is that good. Um, yeah. Sideline says officially that this should be basically a pick on that the amount that Nebraska is better than Rutgers by is mostly offset by the home field. So it likes taking Rutgers in this one. I do too. Total is 48. Uh, Kissinger, what do you have for us here? 
I think you either take the points with Rutgers or pass on this one just because neither of us trust Nebraska, obviously. And the thing about Rutgers is, is their offense. I mean, you, you may not get much from, from the Rutgers offense, but the Rutgers right. defense has shown some, some flashes at times. And if you neutralize Nebraska's offense, I mean, you know, Nebraska's defense has not been the toughest, uh, the toughest defense uh, to face so far this yeah. year. I mean, they made uh, made Northwestern look really good the first game of the yeah. season, and yeah. so uh, looking back now, if you made Northwestern's offense look good, then then you clearly have some problems. So uh, I think a, a game like this where you just don't trust Nebraska and Rutgers, I think can slow Nebraska's offense down quite a bit. I think three points could be pretty valuable. We're entering the point of the season where we're going to have to start checking weather reports, especially for night games, you know, up here in the Northeast. Mm. I haven't looked at the weather on this one. Uh, total is 48. It is coming down. I, I assume, you know, it's it's October night. It's probably uh, doing baseball still at this point, looking at those weather reports. Most of the time up in the Northeast, it's, you know, 50 degrees, you know, and, and you know, a little bit of wind, you know, not really great. Um I looked at this and I thought with Rutgers involved, I was like, oh, I was thinking under in this total coming down. But then I was like, yeah, but like you said, Nebraska's defense can really make an offense look good. And so I, I was very hesitant to endorse an under of this low of a number, uh, given Nebraska's involved. But I mean, my gut reaction was just like, I, Rutgers plays in low scoring games. And if there's any yeah. other issues, it's gonna be hard to score points in this one. Yeah, definitely. The other Friday night game, uh, UNLV at San Jose State. Total on this one's 52 and a half. This one, you know, I kind of liked UNLV getting some points. Uh, earlier in the week, but as this has got up to seven, I want to go ahead and lock this in. Now, I love this at plus seven. There is a little bit of juice attached to it, but it's an A great pick for me getting the full touchdown here. San Jose State's a solid team, improved, like what I've seen from them, but I'd say the same thing about UNLV, and I still think UNLV is a little bit behind San Jose State, but I don't think it's by very much at all. Sideline says this should be San Jose State minus 3.2. It could give San Jose State a small edge on top of the home field advantage, but not by that much. Um, I faded UNLV successfully last week, and now I'm backing them. And I always talk about anytime sideline is able to zigzag, I think that means it's finding real value. It's not one of those like, you know, if it's constantly on the same side, I think that works really well for baseball because if it's, we saw it with the Mariners, we saw it with the Guardians, we saw right. it for a stretch there fading the Blue Jays, right? And that stuff worked really well for us because it was finding – edges and it was just saying you know what we're just gonna play it every day at different confidence levels and it's gonna win 60 70 whatever percent of the time and it's gonna profit for us well in football you don't really have that advantage for football i like to right. see where it's zigging and zagging and kind of saying oh there's a little bit of value on this number but now it's flipping sides on this one that's what we're right. seeing here with UNLV, I love getting seven points here. Uh, I think so. I think go ahead and lock this in as soon as you can at the seven. Obviously, such a key number here. Because uh, Jared, what do you have for us? I agree that San Jose State is improved, but I just really like what I've seen from UNLV this season. And the thing is, is that San Jose State, they're they've been consistent. Their defense has played well. Their offense is not super explosive. They're they're kind of consistent, but they're not explosive. Not a you know not a ton of big plays. Not putting up a ton of points on the. UNLV, they are going to find a way to score some points on mm -hmm. you. So if you told me San Jose State won this game, I have no issue believing that. But I don't know if San Jose State can score enough points to get outside of this seven-point number because yeah. I, I think that touchdown is going to be valuable for you. So it's an official play for me as well. I'm, I'm taking the seven points with, with UNLV. I just think their offense is going to be able to keep this game close. I think I have the exact same statement I'm going to use later in this episode of I'm just not sure they can score enough to outscore the other team by the full touchdown. So we'll put a yeah. pin in that little teaser for, for a game we're going to talk about uh, later on. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, noon Eastern, Louisville at Virginia. Hoped 
thought maybe Virginia had found a little something in that second half against Syracuse. I watched that game against Duke. Uh, the answer is no. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Louisville has been a little bit of an up and down team. Uh, you know, the biggest concern with Louisville is just trying to figure out exactly if they're going to show up for 60 minutes. But if they do, they're a pretty solid football team. And I think what we're seeing now from the totality of evidence from Louisville, I feel like is a little bit more of they tend to play to the level of their competition. We saw that last week, um, you know, with a very disappointing effort against Boston College. So I, I, I think I'm kind of worried about Louisville like playing a bigger number, playing a smaller number. I think I'm much right. more comfortable with them. I just think they're a much better team than Virginia. I just have not been impressed with anything I've seen from them. I guess their defense is a little bit better. It couldn't be much worse than it was last year. But Louisville ought to be able to score – on Virginia and with Virginia's offense, they just, I haven't seen them put together consistently good offense, even for more than 20 minutes at a time, it seems like. So I'm really the three with Louisville. It's an A grade play. Sideline says it should be Louisville minus 5.6. So we're talking about the most likely outcomes in this or some combination of three, four, six, and seven. And we're winners or pushing in all of those. So I think laying the three here is a very important number. This was three and a half early in the week. Held off there, wanted to see if he got to three and it has. It's an A-grade play. I love laying the three points here. Total's 51. Because, Jerry, what do you have for us on this one? I don't see how you could back Virginia in this spot just because their offense has been so bad. I I, I don't know how three points – if, if – if Virginia loses this game, I don't see it necessarily being that close just because I don't think they're going to be able to score enough points to, to keep up. Uh, so I think he, me personally, I, I would probably lay the points if I had to pick a side on this one. On the total, man, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that Virginia games or Virginia would be playing in games where the total would be under like 60, I, I would have not believed you at all. Yet here we are. And I think especially a Louisville team that can score and move the ball. They're not a bad offense, right? Yeah, yeah. And Malik Cunningham. Him, if he gets going, he can put up uh, points quickly. Yeah. But the th- I'm looking to this 51, and I'm saying I think I would still take the the under. Uh, and obviously, really? mostly, yeah, mo- mostly most of wow. that is because of you know Virginia's offensive ineptitude. But the other yeah. thing is is that Louisville's uh, we've talked about it before is a much better on the ground than, than through the air. Mm-hmm. And so you know, clock's going to be running a lot, especially if they if they get up big late. You know, they're just going to be keeping the ball on the ground, and you know, going to be running a lot of clock. So. Man, I just I, I cannot believe that I'm saying if I had to pick a side on the Virginia total that it would be under. It's, it's what a what a world that we're living in. What a yeah, what a world. Especially after last year, I actually yeah. in the other direction. I, I would lean over, and the reason why is I agree with you. They, they're really good on the ground, but mm-hmm. what I've seen from that Virginia defense, I kind of feel like Louisville. I think Malik Cunningham getting going. I feel like they're going to have some 30, 40 yard chunk runs. They're going to allow them to score quickly. Uh, maybe yeah. be more of a first half over because like you say you don't really know how the second half is going to play out. Uh, but if I was going to play a total in this one, I'm just I'd be really nervous at seeing. How how much Duke scored against Virginia and how quickly they were able to score at times. Mm-hmm. I'm just worried that Louisville also can score quickly. And if that's yeah. the case, then 51 is not a very high number, but I'm with you. It's not right. a, it's right. not one that I'm officially recommending because of Virginia's ineptitude. Like if Virginia went out yeah. and scored 10 points in this game, I think we'd all be like, yeah, that's been Virginia this year. And if yeah. they only get 10 points, 51 isn't impossible, but it's not going to be extremely likely that Louisville no. needs to put up 42. Yeah, no, not not at all. Just I just I just still can't believe this is where we're at with Virginia's offense this season. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, also at noon Eastern, Michigan at Indiana. Michigan's a 21 and a half point favorite. And and listen, I, I've said this before. 
there is no such thing as sports books trying to bait you, trying to tempt you, things like that. They're trying to come up with the best number possible. I think if they have the, the best number in the long run, it's going to work out. There are some smaller books that still do the the balancing of the books type thing, whatever. But they're not trying to bait you in this one. But it does feel like I'm being baited in this game. <laughs> it feels like they're begging me to be like, oh, and you're getting a hook. Go ahead and take Indiana. I'm not fall I don't think that's the case. But either way, I'm not falling for it. Right. I'm only like 21 and a half with Michigan. In, like I said, I think Indiana is just – not a good football team. They had their chances against Nebraska and looked worse than Nebraska did, and that says a lot. <laughs> I mean, does. Michigan uh, can handle this Indiana team. I don't think it's going to be close. I don't think there's really a lot of excitement around Indiana football right now. There's obviously been a lot of excitement the last, you know, 12 months-ish. I mean, Michigan football has been exciting, obviously, for them. They've been a good team, but really about, about a year ago, things started really ramping up. They started getting really excited about this team carrying through the great dream, you know, dream-ish season that they had, fantastic season they had. This might be like a 50-50 split crowd here, honestly, right. between the fan bases. I just I'm I'm just like the 21 and a half with Michigan. It's only a B grade pick because it's a lot of points and I'm like the hook. So I, you can't give an A grade out to this point. But Sideline does say that this should be 25.3. And, and I really think 24 is actually the key number, not 21. And I also think 27, 28 is just as likely, if not more likely, than 21 is. I just think Michigan's going to kick the crap out of them. I don't see Indiana yeah. scoring on this Michigan defense. And Michigan's offense is good enough. I think they can score plenty of points themselves. I don't think they can get to 58 by themselves, but I'm just not sure how much Indiana can do. And Michigan's just a really good football team, and Indiana's not. It's really not any more complicated yeah. than that. Uh, I'm going to lay the 21 half of Michigan. Be great pick. Total of 58. Because, Jared, what is your angle for us on this one? Official play for me. I'm on the under 58 here, and I'm making it a two-unit play. I just feel like we have seen this story with Michigan for the past year and a half now. All of these games against competition like Indiana play out the exact same way. Michigan gets up, you know, 28 nothing, 35 nothing, and then they just completely throttle everything back and, and shut it down, and they just run the clock in the second half. So this game feels like it's a 41 to 10 uh, Michigan win, and you know, I, I don't think it sniffs 58. Like I said, two unit play at 58. Um, I would play it all the way down. I would play it under 55 as well, but anything below 58, I'd probably make a one unit play. You know, 50, 57, 56, 55. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like we have seen this exact game play out so many times with Michigan over the past couple of years. Uh, the under just seems like a great, great play to me. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, especially with Penn State on deck next week for Michigan, they don't really have an incentive mm -hmm. to run it up late. Yep. And that could be another angle if you're playing Michigan as playing in the first half. You're going to have to lay a much bigger number than 21 or 22 divide by two because obviously right. the books know that as well. But a first half play on Michigan also might make a lot of sense for that same reason like you. I think it's just going to be ugly and then it's just going to be Michigan throttling it because there's yeah. no reason to run it up. But like you said, when they're up 35 nothing or 35-3 to three or whatever, it's like – won't be any points, but Indiana still won't be able to score, I don't think, and, and get it back to him, in, in my opinion. Right. Uh, also at noon Eastern, we talked about another great noon Eastern slate here, uh, which is obviously exciting for everybody. TCU yeah. in Kansas, uh, undefeated TCU in Kansas. Uh, yeah. A TCU team that I have to say, really under the radar when we talked about the Big 12 preview, we talked about all the teams potentially winning conference. I mean, a nobody thought Kansas would be there, and 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 they still might not be. Let's you know, it's hard to say that you know. <laughs> I don't know that we were the yeah. top two teams in the conference. It's been a fun story, but still to be determined on them. But but TCU, I mean, could potentially find themselves in the Big Twelve championship game at this point. And they were a team that uh, we weren't even talking about. We were talking about could Oklahoma, you know, with 
with Gabriel coming in, new coach, all that talent. Could Texas kind of figure it out? Um, you know, Baylor and Oklahoma State there last year. Kansas State was kind of an upstart. We talked about, you know, Iowa State, you know, kind of being always a solid frisky team, it seems like these days. And then TCU is just kind of sitting there. They look really good. Um, mm-hmm. The sideline has them uh, all the way up to 16th. I mean, kudos to them. Obviously, kudos to Kansas. I said that has them up to 39th. And given that we can't ignore previous year's data, I feel like that's really impressive for them to already be this high, given that there were times there were times last year I'm pretty sure they were in the bottom 10. Uh, so it's obviously been a, a long way for them. I'm really excited for this game. Game day is going to be there. And Lawrence, Kansas. Again, what a world we live in. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to grab all seven points with Kansas. Like I teased earlier, I'm just not sure TCU. I think they're going to score a lot. I don't know if they can score enough. I think mm-hmm. it, to, to beat Kansas by more than a touchdown. I think Kansas can be able to score most of the time that they have the ball as well. I think this is a shootout. There's a reason this total is 68. I'm actually also recommending the over 68. I just think this is going to be teams mostly scoring when they get the ball. I think it's one of those kind of last team with the ball wins type games might see overtime. I think this is going to be a fun game. It feels like the Big 12 is back, baby. That's just that's just what I was going to say is this feels like a game yes. that could have been played a decade ago. Yes. It would have fit right yes. in. Yes. Except not with these two teams because TCU has always been a defensive team and Kansas has always been a team that can't score points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. But, but yes, this feels like the old school, you know, Oklahoma State games, you know, Baylor when they didn't have a defense. Yeah. I mean, it feels like one of those games, you know. Uh, I think a lot of points. I'm going to grab all seven. I don't know who wins. I'm excited for it. Uh, sideline says this should be TCU minus 5.6. Your most likely outcomes um, here are something like four, six, and seven. Uh, I just think getting a touchdown with Kansas makes a lot of sense, especially given, like I said, I really think it could be a overtime game. And at that point, grabbing seven is fairly likely. I mean, you could lose by eight in overtime, but it's hard to lose by eight in overtime. You're more likely to obviously lose by when I was back. Unless you're Kansas. Then you can lose by 12. <laughs> <laughs> by four, yeah, 14 or yeah, 13 yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, Cousin Jared, what do you have for us on this one? I don't have an official play on this. If I had to pick a side, I'd take the seven points with, with Kansas too. But again, I, I feel like that's with my heart, right? I just I just want Kansas to to be really good. Uh, I think we, we all do. Yeah, we we have another game that we're going to talk about. I don't think on this episode, maybe on the next episode, uh, where literally you can net, not set the total high enough for me to say play the under on it. Uh, this one may be second place this week. Of I don't know what you could set this total at, and I'm not sure that I would I would play the under at, at any number. I don't know what it'd have to be for me to feel comfortable, like 79. Like I, I have no idea. Yeah. It would have to be ridiculous. High. I do want to point out, though, because I think that we have all forgotten, and especially uh, the people in the media that are talking about how good TCU's offense has looked this year with Max Duggan. Max Duggan did not start the first game of the season. Chandler Morris started that first game of the season, mm-hmm. and TCU only put up seven points in a half against Colorado, mm-hmm. which, looking back on it, that was an issue. And then of course, you know, Chandler Morris got hurt. Max Duggan came in and, you know, TCU's offense took off, but I've just been uh, very surprised at obviously TCU's offense has looked great, but Duggan wasn't even starting at the beginning of the season. So I, I just find that interesting that we've kind of just glazed over that fact uh, since Duggan's played so well and that he wasn't even the starter when the, when the season began. Yeah. I had completely forgotten about that as well. It was a game where we yeah. grabbed a ton of points with Colorado at home and it was like, tied at the half and we were and yeah. I, it was a late game and I would spell like I got this and all of a sudden woke up and be like what in the world happened yeah yeah quarterback injury you know should help you know and that didn't <laughs> I, that's just what I didn't well and I had the under 59 and, and so I'm glad that Duggan did not start that game because I think yeah, that the under 59 would have been, been done 
Yeah, but anyway, anyway, I just I just remembered that. Thought it was thought it was yeah. ironic based on what's happened since then. Yeah, I have one that we're going to talk about later that I, I don't think you can set the total high enough uh, that we are going to talk about today. So I'm curious to see if it's okay. that game or if it's if it's a different game. If not, we'll talk okay. about the next episode, whichever one you're okay. thinking of. Uh, 2.30 Eastern, South Florida, Cincinnati. I'm only 27.5 with Cincinnati. It's a beat great pick. Uh, I have a little bit of concern with Cincinnati, a, a team that sometimes likes to kind of play with their food. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just think the South Florida team is terrible. I, I think they – they we talked about it last week. I faded them very heavily. Um had that a great play against them and that was easy money and I, I, this i don't think will be easy because it's such a big number but i mean cincinnati's just so much better than them if they come out and actually try they're going to be up by you know 45 in the third quarter and there's no way a backdoor can happen because i think cincinnati's backup defense can still stop south florida um you know south florida had that one incredible game uh where they looked good and, and i backed them in that game <laughs> and, and it worked yeah. out much better than I could have ever imagined. Uh, but in general, I mean, they're just not a good football team. Uh, so I'm going to lay this 27 and a half with Cincinnati. But again, just the fact that they sometimes over the last year and a half now have seemed to just kind of pedal around and, and start yeah. slow or, or something like that is, is why this isn't an A great play. Sideline does say this should be Cincinnati minus 29.4. So it thinks. Uh, 28 is the most likely outcome. Uh, so I think Cincinnati's decided to be on here just because I think South Florida is bad. I'm not even sure Southland realizes just how bad South Florida is. But Cincinnati, I do have a couple of concerns with. So that's why it's only a B great pick. Total is 59 and a half. Because, uh, Jared, what do you have for us? I. Oh. So I'll talk about the total first. I don't know if I in a game with Cincinnati, like you usually trust Cincinnati's defense, right? And so your, your gut instinct would be to play the under, especially when you're uh, you know on the on the north side of 55 and, and 58, two really important numbers, 59 even you know some some sometimes a, a number the games land on. Right. <laughs> but you mentioned how bad South Florida is, and I can definitely see Cincinnati putting up like 45 points in in this game, yeah. and, and so I I, sure. I don't think. Like I, I said, think, they should be up like 45 nothing before we, you know, before we get too settled into this, really. Yeah. And so for, for that reason, I would kind of caution you if you're just looking at it being a Cincinnati game uh, and, and playing some bad South Florida team. I'm still not sure that I would recommend the, the under in this spot. As far as as far as the spread, I, I think you said it perfectly. I think you either laid the points or pass. And, and you mentioned how bad South Florida is just to, to give the, the viewer and the listener some more context as to the teams that South Florida is currently ranked around, according to sideline, Western Michigan, Wyoming, Ball State, Texas State, UTEP, Navy, who like like how is how is South Florida worse worse than Navy? Like Navy is just very, very bad. And somehow South Florida is worse than them. So just keep in mind as you're analyzing this game. Those are the teams that sideline has South Florida around. And I feel like when we're talking about some of the bad teams, South Florida flies under the radar at, yes, at times. But but this season, they are doing pretty well. They are sinking bit by bit every single yeah. week. So they're, they're not yeah. good. Yeah, it's about they had the great Florida game. They lost their opener by 29 at home to BYU in a game that wasn't that close. No. Uh, it, no. it was it – was, uh, not it was over by the half. They lost at home to East Carolina, uh, or at home, I guess, a neutral site game or whatever. Yeah, last week to East Carolina by twenty, and that was not even that close. And they lost to Louisville forty-one to three. I mean, they, again, it's just everything that you can say on this that one game, and they played great in that one game. And it was a great spot for them, but yeah, they're really just a terrible team. Um, Cincinnati off next week as well, so there's no. I'm not saying they're going to try to run up the score, but there is, you know, no impetus to to pull guys. I mean, if they're trying to work on things or whatever, 
Right. Let the guys play having an extra having an extra week off. So then I'll still right. consider. 330 Eastern Liberty at, at UMass talking about uh, you know bad teams. UMass is obviously one of them. I'm going to lay the 26 with Liberty. I, I want this on this side of 27 and 28. I think those are the two most likely outcomes. It's a B great pick for me. Uh, sideline does say 26, but I, I just think 27 and 28 are, are more likely. I don't see UMass scoring much in this game. You know you're talking maybe a touchdown. Uh, it's not going to be hard for Liberty to cover this um, because I, I, they don't have to score that many points because I just don't think they – you know, I think they should be able to stop this UMass team. They just have no offense, uh, which is why the total is 49 and a half uh, for this one. So I'm just going to the 26 with Liberty. B grade pick, too big of a number to get excited about, but I think it's decided rather be on, especially if it's shy of both 27 and 28. Because, Jared, what do you got? I think I may finally be off of the UMass overs because uh, it hasn't hasn't worked out too well for me this season. Sometimes sometimes I felt like the process was still good, just it wasn't getting the results. But that game against East, Eastern Michigan last week just really kind of made me – I had the over in that game, and, and that one just kind of showed me. I think last season UMass's offense was just – bad and their defense was horrendous i i think this year it has reversed where yes. their defense is just bad and their offense is horrendous and so i think that they're scoring less points and their opponents are scoring maybe a slightly less points than they would have last year so uh yes. usually the past couple of years umass overs have been great because you know they were going to give up you know 40 50 points a game uh and that just hasn't been the case so far this season so i mean yeah definitely liberty could win this game 52 to nothing and total by themselves uh, but based on what i've seen from umass this season i i'm not counting on that so maybe i have finally learned my lesson on the umass totals uh liberty like cincinnati their team has a bye next week and so that obviously is in their favor too again not try to run it up but there's no like get the guys out early because we have an, even a, an opponent next week um or it should be they have a garter web it's basically a bye week <laughs> they barely yeah. have an opponent. um to your point umass though 10 points against tulane tulane does have a good defense 10 points against toledo uh, they at least were 20 points against Stony Brook. They got shut out against Temple, and they only put up 13 against Eastern Michigan. Uh, like you said, their offense is just abysmal. And Liberty's defense is respectable, which is surprising. I feel like I'm, the yeah. narrative in my head from the last several years was Liberty was a team that was all offense under defense. But the defense from Liberty is decent. And like I said, I just don't see UMass score a lot yeah. of points at offense is terrible uh, like yep. you said liberty could get there by themselves i just don't know how many points liberty's gonna score if it's gonna be more of a, a 35 point effort or a 52 point effort i think somewhere right. in that range is is right uh but like i said i, I think laying the 26 is probably the safest bet that, that's what i was gonna say no matter how many points liberty scores those i bet that's gonna be more than 26 points more than what umass has yeah that's that's what i'm banking on uh 3:30 eastern east carolina at tulane tulane i have no idea who's going to quarterback for him at this point doesn't really matter don't really care apparently because that <laughs> starter backup third stringer they're all apparently fine i'm gonna lay the three with tulane be great pick i think they're a solid team i really like what i've seen from them i think eastern carolina east carolina is solid as well uh, but i just give an edge to tulane so i like laying a number like three uh, sideline here says this should be tulane minus 5.2 Two, uh, so there is some juice attached to this. It's minus one twenty-five right now, but I don't. I, I think paying that minus one twenty-five is better than betting minus three and a half, just because of the fact that three is such a key number. I don't mind paying juice to stay on that key number uh, of minus three. I, I think Tulane might win by three, but in general, I just think Tulane wins this game. And, and seeing that I think they win the game, it's not very likely one by one or two. It's possible, uh, but I think laying three is the right side. I just like this Tulane team. I like everything I've seen from them um, this season. They've been 
everything you could hope for and more. They've been a, a fun story. Um, I just think they're a better team than East Carolina. So I'm going to lay the three with two MP grade pick. Total is 53 and a half because, Jared, what do you have? I do want to see who's going to to start for <laughs> Tulane in, in this game. I, I and, and I say that just because I, I know on the other side, I feel like I know what I'm getting with, with Holton Aylers, who is one of those uh, quarterbacks that's been there for eight years at, at this point. So he's going to be solid. I don't feel like he's going to do anything that's going to lose the game for, for ECU. And so I think the starter for Tulane could make a big difference in a game this close. Uh, without knowing, like, I, I know sideline says there's a three point difference between these teams. I, I feel like they're pretty similar. I think I would probably just take the three points just out of principle in you know a, a close game and you know just say like hey th- three points in your in your pocket feel feel safe. But you know this is one of those I, I don't have an official play on it because I, this this feels like a, a well set line. I'm, I'm actually really excited about. Um, this game, when we were doing our, our preseason shows, one of the things I wanted to talk about was who was like the, because I'm, I'm a twisted mind, who was the fifth best team in the, in the AAC. And, uh, I thought it was going to be East Carolina, but based on what I've seen from from Tulane this year, I mean, obviously Tulane just beat Houston, so they're probably at least back I was going to say, the, the fourth the, best team, the, the fourth best team, maybe. Yes, and, yes. And, and I'm not completely sold on UCF, and, and so yeah. you know, if either of these teams finished ahead of UCF in the standings, I wouldn't be shocked either. So I think this is actually a, a relatively big game for you know who is going to have an outside shot at, at winning the conference because I think both of these teams could sneak up um, on maybe not Cincinnati, but but I think right. definitely on UCF and. Uh, yeah, Houston. Well, I was saying UCF SMU playing here uh, less yeah. than 24 hours from now will go a long way to determine it as well, especially yeah. if one of them gets beat uh, yeah. badly. Uh, Pratt did practice here uh, on Tuesday, so hmm. okay. I, I feel like he's going to play. I, I made the joke, sorry. Uh, in all seriousness, I do expect him to play. Given the fact that he was such a last minute, you know, not playing. Yeah, just a couple thing, hours for kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, generally those types of things are not things that are going to linger longer than a week. So my hunch is he plays, he practiced Tuesday. So those are good signs. Can't lock that in though. You don't really know a hundred percent obviously because last week was so weird, but I assume he's going to play. And obviously as good as the the third stringer looked, um, especially that second half of those late drives and overtime, obviously Pratt is a, a difference maker for Tulane and gives them an extra dimension offensively that, uh, somehow a lot of the teams in Conference USA don't seem to have, which is surprising, or sorry, the American, uh, because that's what we expected coming into the season. We expected a lot of these these top four teams in the American to all have good, dynamic, versatile offenses. And like what we're seeing is kind of like, maybe not as much as we thought. Yeah, yeah. Saturday at 3.30 Eastern, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Uh, this is the one I was talking about. I don't think you can make the total high enough for me. Total 69 and a half. And I'm also going to recommend and officially play this over as well. Wow. This feels like old school Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. I'm going to lay the nine with Oklahoma State as well with the B-grade pick. But my analysis of this game as a Big 12 fan watching a lot, watching a little bit more. I'm going to watch everything. I got five, six screens at one time. But watching more Big 12 games, focusing more on that. Texas Tech just does not quit. They are going to play hard from whistle to whistle. They're going to try to score as much as they can. Um, Oklahoma State, as we saw against Baylor, and I, and I told everybody, I talked about it on the Discord chat, and we talked about it on the show, that I, I kind of like the over with that Oklahoma yeah. State-Baylor game. As much yeah. as we talk about, we think about Baylor being more of a defensive team, Oklahoma State scores fast. I really like what I've seen from Spencer Sanders. I think he's, in general, made that leap forward. Um, yeah. it, it's not going to be perfect, but, I mean, we see this a lot of times with with the Gundy quarterbacks when they get there for a long time. I remember Brandon Whedon was this way. 
he wasn't that great early on in his career. He had some moments, but he also had some bad moments as well. By the end of his career, he was fantastic for them. And I feel like it's the same sort of sort of thing. You never he might have a bad game here and there, but for the most part, I like what I've seen from him. I just think there's be a lot of points. I think if we saw as many points as we did between Oklahoma State and Baylor, I think we're gonna see that many more with Tech, who still defensively yeah. has not figured it out and offensively just slings it around. And that's gonna get you some points. It's gonna get you some turnovers, leading some quick points the other direction as well. I think it's gonna be a point fest here. I just think Oklahoma State's a lot better. So I'm going to lay the nine. I think 10 is kind of where this number should be, but it's only a B-grade pick because I'm very concerned that Oklahoma State lets off the gas and Tech yep. trying to score at the end gets them and, back. And like you said, Tech, Tech doesn't quit. They don't quit. So a backdoor cover is definitely on the table. It's my caution to you on this one. I love laying a number less than seven. I don't think we're ever going to see that. No. Uh, Sideline says this should be 12.8, though. I, I just think the gap between these two teams is fairly large. So I think it's more likely that Oklahoma State's up 20, that backdoor gets you to 13, more than you know 14 to 7 or something like that. But the backdoor is on the table. That's why it's only a B-grade pick for me, knowing that Tech doesn't quit. But like I said, I just think there's going to be a lot of points in this. I think Oklahoma State can't help but score on Tech. I think they can't help but allow points to tech either. Uh, so I'm going over the 69 and a half. I really think 70 is kind of really where it stops. If it gets into the 70s, maybe you convince yourself you play it over 73. At some point, I think there will be so many points that the total may, number may not matter, but that's also not a sound thought, right? The sound thought behind this is there should be a lot of touchdowns. 70 is a kind of key number for games with a lot of touchdowns, obviously. And so I like mm -hmm. being on the right side of 70 here. So I'm going to go over 69 and a half and lay the nine with Oklahoma State. Be a great pick for me. Because, Jared, what do you think? So I, I hear what you're saying. And, and no, this this game still does not hold a candle to the game that we will talk about okay. on, on the okay. next episode as far as the totals go. Here's my thing, though. Like I And even compared to the, the, the last game that we talked about where, where I said I'm not sure that the, the total would be Kansas, high enough. Kansas and TCU. Yeah. Kansas and TCU. The thing is with Kansas and TCU, I don't really trust either of those teams to play defense. And I'm just not quite sold yet on Oklahoma State having an absence of decent defense. Like I still think that their their defense is respectable. And you know, I, I'm I may be higher on Baylor's offense than some others are. I, I think Shade no, gives them, them a dynamic that they didn't have last year. No, you're right. I think what you're missing is all the drop passes that the Baylor receivers had on mm, Saturday. Okay. And had well, those guys caught more passes, Baylor scores 14 more points easily in that game. So, I mean, I, I think that yeah. Oklahoma State did allow some points because Baylor guys just couldn't catch the ball. And yeah. maybe the Tech receivers do the same thing. But, yeah, I think Shapin looked good. Uh, it's just they couldn't catch the ball. Yeah, and, and definitely you're the Big 12 expert, so I definitely defer to you here. I, I, I agree with you, though. If I had to pick a side here, I would lay the points with Oklahoma State just because Tech, you know – Think a lot about that win uh, uh, over Texas. Obviously, very good for them, but their postgame win expectancy there was not that high. Had to go to it overtime. It was like two percent, wasn't it? Yeah, they had to go to overtime to beat Houston, who's turned out not to be a Which, very good team. Yeah, I was gonna say it looks looks worse by the week. Yeah, all of these things that you've mentioned are you know. Uh, support what you said about them not quitting. They are definitely not going to quit, but eventually they're just going to come up to a team that's just going to be a lot better than them. And no matter how much they don't quit, they're not going to be able to keep it within that number. And I think Oklahoma State may, may be that team. So uh, I agree. Well, I, I would lay the points if I had to. 
and and it was that way exactly with Kansas State last week when I laid the seven and said the same mm-hmm. basic same thing that uh, they are just yeah. not as good as Kansas State on the road. And same thing here, they're not as good as yeah. Oklahoma State on the road. You just knowing Oklahoma State can kind of turtle at the end, <laughs> give a bet back yeah. towards me a little bit concerned. But yeah. I think it's a similar thing. They just weren't good enough to hang with Kansas State. At some point, you have to wonder if there's been a toll on them physically from couple of those overtime games and and even that Texas game, it wasn't just that it was overtime. They ran like 300 plays in that game. I'm pretty sure it was about more or less. It was about 300 plays in that one game alone. Right. Don't, don't check me. But the point being, they've run a lot of plays. They played a lot. Yeah. you wonder if that's taking a toll on them as well. Kansas State, a real physical team as well. So it's like they're kind of coming to this banged up uh, mm-hmm. as well. So uh, it's one of those where I'm kind of playing both, thinking I might hit both. But I find it really hard. I'm going to be very surprised if I lose both of these. It's almost right. like one of them has to hit because either Oklahoma State is just going to kick the crap out of them and that may hurt the over, or it's going to be a track meet and maybe Tech covers, but we hit the over. And there's still a really good chance that we this game finishes something like you know, 42 to 28 or something like that as well. So definitely, yeah, definitely a decent chance of win both, but I, I feel like I'd be really surprised if, if one of them doesn't hit. Right. 330 Eastern kickoff Toledo at Northern Illinois. Look, I, Toledo has been uh, a thorn in my side. Yes. Uh, yes. Thought they were going to come out and play better against uh, Ohio state. And honestly, like Ohio state may still be scoring points against Toledo in that game is what it seems like. Um, didn't think Toledo – or thought Toledo would play better against a bad San Diego State team. Lost that one, faded them last week, and then we finally saw the Toledo that we expected to see. You do wonder – and not that they threw the game against San Diego State, they would never try to lose that game, but you do, I do wonder about coming off of that Ohio State game, which had to be emotional in-state rival, thinking they could at least hang in there, do something better, not get completely embarrassed like that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that took a toll on them traveling across the country to play a team in San Diego State that plays just a, a wonky style of football. Now getting back to conference, kind of being like, hey, guys, let's reset. All of our goals are still right in front of us of winning this conference. And they took care of business against Central Michigan. So I'm, I'm kind of – that's kind of the narrative I have in my head that the Oklahoma, the, the Ohio State thing threw them off going to San Diego State to travel, all right. that other stuff. Last week's Toledo was the real Toledo. So I'm going to lay the five-and-a-half against a little bit. They know this is a big game for them in the MAC. It's less than a touchdown. It's less than six, which is also a fairly key number here. So I think it's a great number. To, to go ahead and buy in it now. It's an A-grade pick for me. Sideline says uh, that this should be Toledo minus 7.2. So so the model taking the totality of data, including the stanker against San Diego State and Ohio State, still says that Toledo should be more than a touch, slightly more than a touchdown favorite here. And like I said, on top of that, I think I can excuse away those a little bit. I just think they're a much better team than Northern Illinois. So I'm going to lay the five and a half. It's an A-grade pick. I'm kind of putting all my eggs of my narrative of this Toledo in this basket and just saying, I feel like, I feel like I can explain what's going on with Toledo and, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going, going all in, not all in, but you know what I'm saying? I'm going all in with my max level play of three units on <laughs> Toledo here, laying the five and a half total of 60 cousin Jared. What are your thoughts? Sometimes the professor will, will message uh, Jake and I as he's putting these lines up and he will say, does anything just look completely wrong or off to you? Or am I making a pick that I shouldn't make? And I don't think I got that, that text today, but no. are we <laughs> sure we want to lay more than three or four yeah. points in a game involving Northern Illinois? Just, just ask. No worries. No worries. Yeah, okay. 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 I'm not, I, you know, 
I, I so I went and checked the line history here, and this this opened at five and a half, and it stayed at five and a half. It, ha- it hasn't moved at all. Um, probably a smart move because if this got to six and definitely seven, I would be on Northern Illinois in, in this spot just because we have a long, 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 glorious history of a year and a half at this point of Northern Illinois just being incapable of doing anything but playing one score games. Even last week, I think when they were playing Ball State and they had a huge lead and Ball State came back and won in, in double overtime, uh, Ball State came back and I can't remember they were down by a lot of points in that game. It was up there with the James Madison comeback on App State. Um yeah, Northern Illinois is just incapable of not playing a one-score game. So if this gets up to like, I would consider it at six. Definitely, if it got to seven, I would be on Northern Illinois. And again, sideline, love sideline, great. Um, but this is just what I've seen with my eyes. Northern Illinois is going to make this game close one way or the other. And and I don't disagree with that in theory. Here's the thing: Northern Illinois has played exactly one game this year that has been decided by less than six points out of their five. They hmm. won by seven. They lost by three, they lost by 10, they lost by eight, they lost by six. The other key thing in there, you heard a lot of losses. And that's the thing is I just think that they played, they they did have the Kentucky game. That Kentucky game was a bad spot for, I think we talked about at the time. Yeah, 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 it was. was Next week. Uh, I just think Toledo's a much better team and they've lost a lot of games by a touchdown. They lose this game by a touchdown and I'm set. And that's why I said, I think it's it's a great number. I'm with you at seven. A, well, a sideline says seven. At seven, it's it's yeah. At seven, I, I personally I think it's a pass because I'm part right. of, yeah. with what you're saying. But part of me is like Toledo's just a much better team. And if we see more of that second half Northern Illinois from last last week, then Toledo's going to get up by so much that it doesn't really matter, right? So right. At, at seven, I would just be like, I can't take the seven because I don't trust Northern Illinois. But I can't lay the seven knowing that Toledo winning by six or seven is so on the table. Um, yeah. Yeah, five and a half. Like I said, I think it's been there. It's hanging around. I think lay it uh, at this point uh, before it gets up any higher, which again gets into more questionable territory. Uh, if Northern Illinois <laughs> continues these shenanigans that they constantly pull, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Three uh, thirty Eastern, Middle Tennessee at UAB. Um, I, I feel like last week was my kind of last day with Middle Tennessee State. I think I said that, uh, and, and thankfully Sideline agreed with me on this one that that they. That was kind of their chance to hang. And, and they, they kind of did. They kind of hung in there. They just couldn't do it. They just don't quite have the horses. And it felt like the right. whole game they were just and, – and that's what I, I think we talked about this a little bit. I don't want to dive too deep into it. But my, my frustration so far with the luck we've had with college football has been we've had a lot of bad luck and we haven't gotten the good luck because and, – and you had UTSA last week. So right. this one different for you. But for me, that felt like a game that Middleton State – Middle Tennessee State shouldn't have covered, but the whole time was one of those like maybe yeah. I can get a lucky cover, and I haven't yeah. gotten yeah. any of those. Didn't they tried? They hung around there, and then they had the ball with a chance for that back door, and just couldn't do it. And um, so I'll, I'll end that tangent. But uh, you know, it would have been a lucky cover. I would not have deserved that win if it came through. They just haven't quite been the team. And you were high on them at the start, and, and I think you jumped mm-hmm. off a little quicker than I did. I just, they're just not there yet. Maybe next year, maybe later in the season. Maybe it's something to keep an eye on. Right. I think they're there. I think going on the road to face a pretty good UAB team. I'm really the nine and a half with UAB. It's a B grade pick. Really wish it was more like seven. Mm-hmm. But I just think this number should be 10 or 11. Sideline says it should be 12. It's not my favorite play. I've got a ton of A grade plays, but I do think that laying a number that's a single digit number makes a lot of sense here because I just am not sure this Middle Tennessee State team is going to be able to hang in there. 
with UAP. Total is 52 and a half. Then, Jerry, what do you have? I think if I had to pick a play on this game, it would be the under 52 and a half. Um, okay. And that's coming coming from two directions. Number one, UAB's games this season have had scored points of 52, uh, 56, uh, 35, and then they beat Alabama A&M 59. So they're consistently in that mid-50s uh, range with their points. And, and UAB's defense – Pretty pretty decent for for a, a group of five defense, and you look at UAB schedule and the defenses that they've played. They played Colorado State, which woof. Um, and they played Miami, which Miami on that day woof. And then they <laughs> played UTSA, who UTSA is not a defensive juggernaut by any means. And so I think this is going to be the the biggest challenge that Middle Tennessee's offense ha- has faced all all season. And so kind of those two things combined and knowing that Middle Tennessee would prefer to play in, I think Middle Tennessee State would prefer to play in a shootout type game. I think UAB is going to do everything in their power to make sure that the game doesn't go up, go uh, play out like that. So I would lean towards the under 52 and a half here, obviously would, would like if it was like a 55 or something, but I think there's still some value at 52 and a half, just because I think UAB is the better team. I think they're going to be able to present challenges on defense that Middle Tennessee State hasn't seen this season. And I think UAB just doesn't want to get in a shootout. It's going to uh, play the game in a manner that, that tries to keep it low scoring. Gotcha. All right. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, Duke at Georgia Tech. Uh, I, you watch that Duke Virginia t- Duke Virginia game. I, I took a I took a lot away from Virginia, but but Duke continued to impress. I, mm-hmm. I think that they're we've talked about it all season that they're improved. We've known that we've known their defense has improved. Um, their offense, I think, showing some comments. Yeah, they, they scored some points against Kansas, but it, that felt a little bit more like Kansas lack of defense. Um, and obviously, this was some lack of Virginia defense, but. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you put a high school offense out there and they wouldn't score in Virginia, right? So it's not like it's just like completely that. Like they right, did still right. execute and score quickly. I'm going to lay the three with Duke on the road here at Georgia Tech. And my my logic is I'm not sure exactly how good Duke is. I'm not sure how much of that was. Is, it's hard because how good is Kansas at this point? Right. How, just how bad Virginia is at this point? I'm a little bit more unsure about Duke, but I think with Georgia Tech, my thought is, that game against Pittsburgh, I think this line is low because of that. And that game was played in bad conditions and was wonky when you look down in the box score. I, I don't think that was, you know, Georgia Tech being good. I think that was just a super weird game and one that we're going to look back on at the end of the season and be like, hmm. that was really weird. And, oh, yeah, it was played in, like, the windy rain and stuff. And, like, yeah, I don't know. And the whole, like, new coach for the first game thing. I don't know. Right. It, it's just going to be, we're having some weird narratives about that. It, it doesn't honestly matter it, how much of any that's true. What matters is I don't think that's representative of what Georgia Tech's going to do going forward. Uh, that's the, the, the stake that I'm making here. I'm going to back Duke minus three, a great pick for me. Again, I love this number here. Sometimes it should be 4.3. So we're talking about the most likely outcomes are four, three and being it's on the upper side of four, maybe even six or seven, not, completely unlikely hard one by one or two like we always talk about not impossible especially these days i think laying the three with duke though makes a lot of sense it's an a great pick for me like i said i'm just gonna say that 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 this line should be six maybe seven had pittsburgh won that game last week by 22 had it been the normal weather and right did what we thought they would do and had pittsburgh won that game by 21 I think this line six or seven. So I think we're getting some extra value here because of that. And like I said, I just don't think that's real. I don't think they can replicate that performance. So I'm all over the Dukies here. Total 53 and a half. Because Jared, what is on your mind here? 
I think everybody knows which direction I would lean on this game if I had to pick a side. I would actually lay the three points with Duke if I, if I had to pick anything. And, you know, talked about it ad nauseum this season. I just think Mike Elko, the, the coach for Duke, is a really good coach, and I think he's a really good uh, defensive uh, mind. And so I, I would lay the three points mostly because I don't think Georgia Tech is going to, to score very many points. The reason I'm not making an official play on this game is just because the situation at Georgia Tech was was so bad and, and not so bad in, in that Jeff Collins was doing anything like insane or they lost a million one score games like like uh, Scott Frost did in Nebraska. But it just everybody knew that he was kind of a lame duck coming into the season. He was going to have to do something that was kind of going to be almost almost completely. Almost impossible, yeah, to, to keep his job. And so with that specter being lifted lifted off of the team, and I know we talked about the, the weird conditions and how weird that game with, with Pitt was, but this is one of those things. That game was so strange that I want to give it one more week to see kind of what uh, we're going to get. So an, another team in a similar situation, Arizona State. Arizona State, you like saw one game, you're like, nope. Arizona State is just not it this season. Um, with what I saw from Georgia Tech against Pitt, I, I want to wait one more week and, and see, like, hey, maybe there is a little something going on here with Georgia Tech now. Or maybe, you know, Duke runs away with this one and you're like, nope, Georgia Tech is, is done. Let, fade them for, for the next few weeks. So I, I want to give it one more week and see what we get with Georgia Tech and, and the new coach there. I'm going to call a score on this one. I'm going to say Duke wins this one 31 to 13. And – I'm going to say that there's no value next week because everyone then realizes that and they've caught yeah. up. So my, yeah. this is where we can disagree. And this is where, again, what we're trying to do yeah. here as a service to you viewer is just kind of throw out some things and see what you agree with and which take you like. And, and my thought yeah. is take advantage of it now because I think the value is now. Uh, mm. I think because Jared is more of a conservative approach, but my fear is yeah. if what I think happens happens, then there might not be any value against it because everyone will realize that Georgia Tech just isn't that good right. uh, next week. So uh, I'm curious, and I know that you have not done well with the team totals, but the implied team total here for Georgia Tech would be 24 and a half. That feels Ooh, like a that's solid nice. team total. I like, I, I like, yeah, I like the 24 and a half. I, I would definitely yeah. lean towards the under on the 24 and a half for sure. Okay. Uh, man, okay. can't, like if you would have said like, 22 or you know like 23 yeah like i would have been like yeah but man uh getting 24 and and the the top side of 24 man yeah i I like that one i i I would endorse that play that would be the implication now uh i I, maybe i'll I'll let you think about it 24 hours from now we'll see if we'll come back and maybe we can get you to make that an official play i've just done so bad i don't know how much i would need to think about that but we'll see I'll, I'll, (laughs) i'll i'll ponder it i'll ponder it all right uh one that neither one of us had to ponder too long Sadly and strangely, uh, <laughs> Saturday, 7 p.m. kick, UConn and FIU, a game of the week right here. I mean, the game of mm. the week. Uh, Florida yeah, National, yeah. heck of a victory last week against New Mexico State, who, I mean, we really thought that FIU was in that bottom three and New Mexico State was clear out of it. And now it's like, gosh, it makes yeah. you question everything that you thought you knew about the crappiest teams in college football. I still think UConn's a better team. I still think FIU, despite that performance, is just not a good football team. I think that New Mexico State, you know, might have been giving a little bit of a boost there for the Hawaii victory. But again, part of that was Hawaii, as I mentioned on episode one, does not travel well. A part of that in that game, when you look at the Hawaii New Mexico State box scores, the yards were relatively even. So I'm just, I think that maybe said more, it should have been more of an eye opener that New Mexico State wasn't very good. Um, and that they shouldn't have been as favored by as much as they were last week. Um, I still think FIU is in that bottom tier, and that bottom tier is just a long way out from everyone else. UConn's still showing signs of life. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to lay the five with them here. It's an A-grade pick. 
Sedlin says it should be 7.9. So your most likely outcomes are six, seven, and then 10. So I just think that UConn can get the job done on the road. Totals 46 and a half. Um, cousin Jared, uh, lay in the five with me, with you yeah. laying, laying points with UConn on the road. Yeah. Living yeah. life right. Are yeah. you with me, Cousin Jared? I, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. Official play for me. I'm laying the five points with UConn as well. Uh, man, talk about living dangerously. Uh, I don't know if I, I've ever felt more dangerous in, in my life. Uh, my analysis of this game is is pretty simple. The let's let's call it the bottom four now in, in sidelines ratings: New Mexico State, UMass, Florida International, and Hawaii. I think they are clearly in their own tier of, of bad, and so this is why I didn't lay the fourteen and a half points with with New Mexico State last week, as bad as I wanted to. Uh, you know, based on how bad FIU was according to sideline, it's just, I mean. Those those teams are just so bad. Like it's another level of bad. It's 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 you know the Alabama, Ohio State's, Georgia's at the top. They're an outlier. These four teams at the bottom: New Mexico State, UMass, Florida International, Hawaii are so bad that I don't know if sideline can completely capture. It, it, can, how bad it probably can. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so far out there. And, and UConn, uh, according to sideline, almost an entire uh, touchdown better at least in those teams. And, and so I think they are clearly, the yeah. Yeah, clearly a step above um, those teams. And I think that we don't want to lose sight of Jim Mora, maybe not the best coach in the world, but if you're talking about from taking a completely rudderless team, I think Jim Mora is a good enough coach to take UConn to whatever level of semi-respectability UConn might be able to achieve. Yes. Maybe that means they only get up to 118th in the rankings. I don't know. I'm really reaching there. 118 is way up there for UConn. But they're at, they're at 124 right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't – yeah. So, I mean, that that would be a, a long stretch looking at what they'd have to make up to get there. But I, I don't know if that's out of the realm of possibility. So, I think UConn, albeit all relative, is is on the way up a little bit. And FIU is just – it's the bottom, folks. I mean, I know and, they beat New Mexico State, but it's the bottom. And, you know, UConn is no Western Kentucky, obviously. But, again, Western Kentucky isn't that good. And we have to remember that FIU is still two weeks away from losing a college football game 73 to nothing yep. it, to, to a mediocre team. You know, yep. if that was to – you know, UConn lost that bad – to Michigan, they didn't extra sorry. They didn't even lose that bad division. Almost fifty nine to nothing. You know, mm -hmm. at some point, like I, I just don't. It's almost the same story as the Georgia Tech without the, the coach. Yeah. Like I just don't want us to overreact. I think people are. I think this line is a tug of war between people who are looking at it like we are and saying UConn's just a much better team, and people who are like, mm -hmm. oh FIU beat New Mexico state. All these teams right. are terrible. And people are like, Oh, give me, I think there's probably going to be people out there who are going to say, all these teams are terrible. Give me five points with a home team. And it's yeah. like, that's a convenient narrative, but there are different levels of terrible at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just think there's a clear gap here. And so yeah. I, I just think that's a, that's a trap narrative to fall into. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're both laying the five with UConn. It's an angry pick for me. Um, yeah. Living life dangerously, laying more than a field goal on the road with UConn. But like you said, yeah. I agree that Jim Mora, a good enough head coach, a respected enough individual to get the guys to play hard, buy right. into the system. 
do some things right. Last week beating Fresno State, obviously that was without Hayner, yep. and that's a whole separate issue with them playing Boise State that we'll talk about in the right. next episode. Um, right. But just not making mistakes, and that's what you have to do to win ball games on the road here like they're trying to do against FIU is just not, not make mistakes. And so if they can yep. keep it all together, they should be able to win this game because I think they're just a lot better than FIU. Do we have to talk about Boise State? Next next we episode. We do. We're we two, every to. game. Every game. We have to. We could spend okay. like 30 seconds on it, though. So that's that's on okay. the table. <laughs> they, that may be what we have to do. Yeah. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, UTEP and Louisiana Tech. Louisiana takes a three-point favorite. I'm going to grab the three with UTEP. It's a B-grade pick. Um, Sideline says this should be La Tech minus two. Uh, both of these teams are, are terrible. Uh, I've got LaTeX at 116th, UTEP at 113th. I just don't think either team's very good. I think it's just give me a field goal. It's a B grade mm. pick. Um, I think it's going to be tight down the end, and, and LaTeX may win by six or seven, but UTEP may win by six or seven, and surely somebody might win by three. Uh, right. It should be a close, interesting ball game. Obviously, not the best played. Um, total of 52 and a half. Uh, Cousin Jared, what do you have for us here? I have thought everything that there is to think about UTEP this season. Um, at, at one point, I thought they were absolutely terrible, and then I thought they were respectable, and I just cannot come up with what I think about UTEP this season. So, um, you know, th they had the loss against North Texas at the beginning of the season, did not look good at all in that game, and then they only beat New Mexico State by seven points, which, you know, we, we talked about New Mexico State is down there in that really bad tier. Just of talked teams. about it. <laughs> Yeah, and then they lost by 17 to New Mexico, which is is saying something because that New Mexico team is not too far above the the rest of those really bad teams. But then they come come home and just beat Boise in a game that's never close. the The score was 27 yeah. to 10. You never felt like Boise never. State had a chance to come back in that game. And then they play Charlotte last week, and Charlotte is one of those teams where it's like, man, I don't know if UTEP can score enough points to keep up with Charlotte. And guess what? UTEP scored enough points to keep up with Charlotte, and they won by by six. So UTEP is just a team I have no feel for, and so I don't even want to try to assess this game and, and give you any thoughts because you, viewer, listener, I, I have no idea what to make of UTEP. My, my take on UTEP – and this could be wrong, but my thought with them is they started off maybe a little bit thinking too highly of themselves after last year and things didn't go well at the beginning of the season, but they like got something right. They fixed something mm. in practice or something. Cause like, kind of like you said, like I really like what I've seen from them the mm. last couple of weeks uh, after yeah. that Boise game. Uh, I, I backed them last week against Charlotte and I just, I really, I like what I've seen. Like I said, I don't know if they fix anything. I don't know if they change anything. I, I don't follow UTEP football closely enough. There's too many, 131 teams. I can't follow all of them that close. But right. I, I do wonder if something's changed there from a mental, from coaching, from a play calling, from whatever standpoint, because they were really rough early on and very yep. disappointing. But they, they're looking better here going forward. Um, I'm kind of like you. I don't really know what to make of them or using the attack and that's kind of why it's like hey give me the three points because i don't really I, I have a hard time saying one team is better than the other one yeah yeah uh, but i love to say you took going in the right direction now maybe you can make a case for that at least whereas la tech yeah i just haven't been impressed with it all yep 
Kansas State and Iowa State, uh, Kansas State's a two-point favorite on the road. I'm going to lay the two with the Wildcats. It's today a great play for me. This is more of a, I watch a lot of Big 12 than anything else. Sideline says it should be 2.6. Um, obviously, I think the most likely outcomes here are three and four, and so we want on both of them. And we have the push in case this is a weird overtime game, which is very much on the table here. Uh, yep. To get into this overtime in Kansas State went by two, it would not surprise me. It yeah, surprise I, me. I mean, Iowa State just played a game that was 14 to 11. So, yes, anything is on the table. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it would surprise me because like a game getting to that triple overtime thing is rare. But also, it's like if it would happen here, I'd be like, yeah, that kind of makes sense with these two teams. Yeah, this is just about. I just think Kansas State is a lot better than Iowa State. I think Iowa State is a solid football team that doesn't really do any one thing well enough, and I think Kansas State is kind of that same thing, but a better version of it. And so I just think it's mm. a bad matchup for Iowa State. I think Iowa State's going to do better against a team like Iowa that's really one-dimensional because then Iowa State being solid at a lot of things, you know, not a great passing game, but not bad, and not a great rushing attack, but, you know, but not bad, and not a great defense, but not bad. And I think this is kind of similar to the Baylor game where they're – I think Kansas State and Baylor are two very similar teams that are just a, a notch above Iowa State. And I just think it's a bad matchup with the Cyclones here because they're not the Cyclones of old that – did one thing extremely well and that was their calling card they're just they're a solid team they're a very yep. solid team but i think they get that's not that the matchup for them is not a kansas state or a baylor and so i just think kansas state can go on the road and win um just like baylor was able to do so i'm gonna lay the two with kansas state it's an a great pick for me uh total is 45 because uh, jared what's your take on this one I have no idea what to think of that 45 number. I think if I would have seen that with these two teams prior to last week uh, when Iowa State played Kansas, I would have said take the over there uh, because, you know, I, I think you could get uh, Martinez, could, could, could put up some points from Kansas State, uh, Deuce Vaughn, you know, feel, feel really good about them. Um, but, man, after after what I saw with, with Kansas, uh, low-scoring game there, it's, it's possible, you know, Iowa State could turn this into a rock fight. Um, let me let me get your opinion on this. So Kansas State money line is sitting there at, at minus one twenty five. What ha, what's your what's your gut feel on on the minus one twenty five on the money line for, my, for Kansas State? My gut feel is like the two, uh, but if it was three, I would probably go money line because obviously Kansas State can easily win this game by three. Um, yeah. Well. I said I wasn't going to do this anymore because this has literally not worked out once this season. But I think you have talked me into laying the two points with Kansas State right. here. Um, and the, the reason I say that is just even as I'm talking through it myself, you know, having Martinez and, and Deuce Vaughn for Kansas State, even if Iowa State does get this into a rock fight, I still see Kansas State being able to make enough plays to, to pull this game out. Uh, even, even if Iowa State kind of really slows things down and plays a good defensive game, I still trust Kansas State to, to pull it out. So I will also have an official play. I'll lay the two points with, with Kansas State. All right, and then just for the viewers uh, and your curiosity, I plugged it into uh, my program that turns point differentials into probabilities, and the percent edge at minus two, the current minus one hundred seven, is exactly the same as the money line. So there's there's mm. value in one way or the other. Uh, so okay. just personal preference. I personally would just rather lay minus one hundred seven at minus two and just deal with maybe Kansas State wins. Maybe Kansas State wins a weird, like you said, a rock fight of 14-13, and, and we're on the wrong side yeah. of it. But I just don't want to lay minus 125. Uh, I, yeah. I just rather get the minus 107 and lay the two points. Okay. Uh, and like you, the, the total of 45, I feel like, is very interesting. And I'm like you, I don't know what to do with it because yeah. – after that kid, that kid, this game was very surprising to only yep. have 25 points in that game. It was. That was not what, we, was. what we've seen from this kid's offense not at all. all season long. 
Uh, 7.30 East, in a game I think you feel a little bit better about the total on here, BYU and Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, this game is in Las Vegas. I'm going to lay the three and a half with Notre Dame. If you had looked at what I posted from the model or if you had the early model projections, you were able to get this at minus two and a half or minus three for Notre Dame. A sideline does say this should be Notre Dame minus five. Minus three and a half, it's lost almost all of its value. Obviously, it's still very possible that Notre Dame wins by four uh, or, or more, of course. And so given sidelines as the average victory is Notre Dame by five, I'll lay the three and a half. But it's only a C-grade pick just because I hate laying the hook here, knowing that it could be could and should be a very tight ball game. So it's not my favorite play at this number. I'd much rather lay three. Even if I had to lay some juice with it, I'd rather lay the three. So give myself the option of later on in the week, either laying the three or coming back if the money line price isn't pretty bad, adding a unit to the money line. It's just three and a half are really tough. It's, it's the number that's better. I don't think you should take three and a half with BYU, but I just also don't love laying the three and a half with Notre Dame. Uh, so I'll lay it only though a C grade pick total 52 and a half on the north side of a fairly key number there at 52 cousin Jared uh, sell us on this under yeah so official play for me I'm going to be under 52 and a half and just like the Michigan game earlier this is going to be a two unit play I just feel like we have seen everything that we need to see from Notre Dame against competent teams this year and that's just the fact that they're going to play uh, a grinded out game they're not going to score very many points they're not going to give up very many points uh you know and the only thing that can change that is north carolina's defense which yeah. uh, byu's defense is uh, i would say quite a bit better than, yes. than north carolina's yes. defense um and on the flip side for byu this feels uh, a lot I, I know they're they're not this game like you said neutral site game not being played at, um, at lavelle edwards stadium there in provo but i i think this feels a lot like the uh baylor uh, BYU game, which, you know, went to overtime and still only got to um, 46 points. So um, I just, I, I don't see very many ways. I think you would need a couple of like big special teams plays or something for this game to go over 52 and a half. It just, I think this is what both teams are uh, comfortable doing. And I think it's kind of what both teams want to do. And so, uh, yeah, give, give me two units on the under 52 and a half. Can't believe that we're getting the hook on the, uh, on the uh, good side of the, the 52 there. I, I'm really surprised. Yeah, I agree. And and I want to spend a minute here just talking about BYU. They're such a fascinating team, but I I feel like maybe they aren't that good. That's my hot take. Mm. And the reason I say that is that first week we talked about that South Florida game and, and just how bad South Florida is, and they destroyed yep. South Florida, but they're a very yep. terrible football team. You go to week two against Baylor. That was when BYU was the, the, their healthiest, and Baylor just – basically said we're going to run literally every time and, and BYU couldn't stop it until they got to the five yard line and there was nowhere else to go um mm -hmm. on top of that we have to remember you know Baylor was making an extra point away from winning that game in regulation you know it, it, and, and they played really well against Baylor absolutely but that was a, a big game at home early in the season you know the next week they got trounced by Oregon and mm -hmm. we kind of just chalked that up to you know Oregon's a good team but they are and we chalked up to the road after the Baylor kind of beat them up or whatever, but whether BYU is just not that good or that Baylor beating them up is going to linger throughout the season, given the fact that they don't have a bye week until you know mid-November, you know I'm not really sure. You go to the next week, we kind of made the excuse for them why they only beat a pretty bad Wyoming team by 14 at home and and they got the win. But I mean, we were talking about like you if you're a good football team at home, you beat bad football teams by a lot. That's just what you right. do. They only won it by 14. We said, oh well, they've got Utah State on a Thursday, you know, and then they play Utah State and they only win that one by 12. And, and you know, Utah State did score late, but Utah State's not a good football team either. And, and you know, what's the excuse there? Oh, well, then they've got Notre Dame coming. I, I, you know, I just, right. I'm just wondering 
if you know whether it's the Baylor beating him up thing or they're just not that good if they're just if we're giving them a little bit too much credit here not that Notre Dame's a great football team but mm-hmm. I just wonder if he's getting too much credit uh Silent hasn't ranked 42nd they're ranked 16th at this mm-hmm. point but I, I feel like 42nd right. feels more right and that it's like they're not a bad football team but I just feel like this constant excuse for like they haven't covered three weeks in a row now and they only covered that fourth one because their own kicker missed two field goals because had, mm-hmm. had their own and Baylor missed two Baylor missed an extra point, a field goal and BYU's kicker missed two field goals. If any of those four things happen, BYU doesn't cover that game either. And now we're talking about four straight lack of coverage for BYU. I just think they're getting too much respect in general. So that's my, it's my hot BYU take for, uh, <laughs> for your middle episode here of this week six action. And, and even if you're, you're right on all of that, great. Makes me like the under even more. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it makes me. It makes me just again say, hopefully, y'all were able to see the model projections and get Notre Dame minus three. It's a much better number than three and a half. Hopefully, it goes down to three, and yep. we can lay the three. Or like I said, maybe we just decide to take money line and play a little bit heavier odds because uh, just ensure more likelihood of a victory. Because I, I don't think Notre Dame's that great. I just think BYU's might be really overrated. So that's my my again my hot take for the week. Yep. Uh, Eight p.m. Eastern. Florida State and North Carolina State. I, what do we do with these two teams? I feel like you know, maybe, maybe what do we do with the whole ACC, right? It, it's like it's, it's almost like the ACC has been impossible to predict outside of Clemson for like a decade now. Yeah, and now and now of the last year, now we've thrown Clemson into that mix, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to lay the three with NC State. <laughs> it's a P great pick. Uh, sideline says it should be NC State minus four and a half. I I think that fully healthy Florida State might be the better team here. I don't think that's what we're dealing with. Um, both these teams have been a little bit of a disappointment, I think, especially NC State, obviously, with all the hype at the start of the season. Now, Sideline has them ranked outside of the top 25. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, neither one of these teams has really inspired confidence, one because of injuries and the other because of just underperformance. And, and NC State did exactly what we kind of thought NC State would do last week against Clemson, which is – not play terribly, but not really ever be in that ball game. Mm-hmm. Seems like a decent bounce back spot for NC State. I'll lay the three at home. I think they're the better team right now, but I just don't have a. T- it's a good number. I just don't have enough confidence in NC State to give it an A grade. This is really a B grade pick right. just on the on the strength of the fact that it's three and not three and a half or four, which is where I think it should be. So that's why it gets a B grade pick. But gosh, my personal lack of confidence in NC State. Uh, probably couldn't be higher. Uh, total of 51. I guess, Joe, do you have any thoughts for us on this one? I don't really have any thoughts on this one. Just that I think um, outside of the LSU game that, that Florida State played that first – well, their first game of the season with, against Duquesne, their first FBS game of the season against, against LSU, I, I don't think they've seen a, a challenge defensively like that since then. And I have a lot more faith – in, and I'm blanking on his name right now, the, the quarterback for NC State um, than I do and a lot of the other quarterbacks that that Florida State has played outside of like Wake Forest, obviously. Um, so I, I think I would lay the uh, – Leary is the quarterback for NC State. So I, I, I think that I would lay the three points there as well. I, I, I trust Leary. I, I think NC State's defense is pretty good. NC State can be a tough place to play at times for visitors. I just – I feel like I would lay the points. I'm like you. I, I don't feel strongly about that. Clearly, you can hear me yeah. talking about this. I, I don't have yeah. a lot of conviction uh, about it. I, I guess flipping around the other way, I would 
I think I would be surprised if Florida State came in there and won this game. I think it's going to be yeah. a tight game, and I just have a lot more faith in what I've seen from NC State so far this season than what I've seen from Florida State. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. It's the exact same way. Like I said, it gets it's, it's a B grade, not a C grade, because the number's good at like there's three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like the confidence level on either seems as tough. But uh, but I'm with mm-hmm. you. NC State's defense is solid. Uh, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's great, but it's solid. And, and like I said, they got a pretty good quarterback there, which which helps as well. So right. Uh, always good if you're laying a short number to have a quarterback that you trust, uh, especially NC State. Facing it, if Florida State's defense is solid, but they're not anywhere near as good as Clemson, so right. that will at least you know help them out as well. Uh, yeah, being dropped down in competition. Yeah, uh, wrapping up today's episode, 8 p.m. Eastern, Coastal Carolina, UL Monroe. I'm gonna lay the 14 with Coastal Carolina. I want to lock this in at 14 before it gets any higher. It may go down to 13, but 13 is actually not a hugely key number. Um, so if it goes to 13 or 13 and a half, sure, that's better. Uh, because then if it lands on 14, then we win. But my main concern is I just don't want to wait 14 and a half because 14 is such a key number here. So locking this in, so I think it should be 14.3. It's also even money right now, which is part of mm. the allure of this right here. So it's it's kind of trending towards 13 and a half, uh, but also the even money is always nice as well. So it's kind of equivalent to like laying 13 and a half and like minus 115 or so. Uh, it's roughly equivalent there. I'm just going to lay it with Coastal. Uh, they're a solid team. We talked about them a lot this season already somehow that they're not great, um, but they're respectable. They've got some mm-hmm. pieces that they're, they're a decent football team. And I just don't think you Monroe is that good. And so I'm going to lay it with them. I think they can handle this one pretty easily. Total is 57 and a half. Cousin Jared, what is your take on this one? On the total, Coastal Carolina, if they get going, they can you know get close to this number by themselves. And so I think I would lean to the over, especially being you know fifty eight being a fairly key number. And so being able to you know just under that number fifty seven and a half, uh, I think I would lean towards the over. I agree that like Coastal is is a, a good team, or you know relative to the competition, I feel like they're a good team. I, I just I feel like maybe something's missing that, that they've had the past couple of years. I can't quite put my finger on what it is. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and you know we we were both on Georgia Southern last week, and, and so like clearly like we we thought there was some value there to exploit. If they don't cover against. Louisiana Monroe in this spot because Louisiana Monroe is, is a, a different level than, than what Georgia Southern is currently at. Yes, I, I think I I might be reconsidering my thought that Coastal could challenge App State or or challenge James Madison um, there in the East for for to go to the conference championship game for the Sun Belt. Um, just because again I think ULM is quite a step down from this team, and if Coastal can't cover this game. I think I need to reevaluate what I think about kind of the hierarchy there in, in the Sun Belt East. Silent has U- UL Monroe at 118. This feels more to me like the Thursday game we had a couple weeks ago where Coastal played at Georgia State and won that one by 17. I feel like Georgia State and yeah. UL Monroe are much more comparable. And and, and maybe Georgia yeah. State might actually be a little bit better uh, yeah. than, than Monroe is. So it feels like that sort of game where they should be able to go in and dominate. Georgia State was never in that game. UL Monroe mm-hmm. shouldn't really ever be in this one as well. You do have the backdoor possibility, so that's obviously the concern uh, right. when we lay such a big number. Uh, Coastal plays Old Dominion next week, so not really a look-ahead spot. No. Um, to me, you know, 14 isn't really a look-ahead number because you know mm-hmm. your players shouldn't be thinking, "I'm gonna we're gonna go on the road and walk in and take care of business." You know, 
that's more of like if you're a 30 point favorite in my opinion so they should be able to go in and do it but um you know i'm like you coastal's just missed a little bit that's why we faded them last week we thought georgia southern was competent yeah. enough to hang in that game and sure enough they did they almost won that game on the road georgia southern did uh but yeah. i just yeah i'm like you like you is just a whole step down coastal found a way there um this one they shouldn't have to find a way they should just be able to win this one pretty handily all righty well then that does it for the games we have to consider now going back and adding any plays we call this the three meals and go home segments uh cousin jared do you have i don't have anything else to add uh so my okay. my meals are quick do you have any any meals for us here before we go home anything to go back to and add yeah, the, the first one I want to add to is the James Madison Arkansas State game. I played the over 58 in the first episode. That has gone down to 55 and a half. And I I, I did do some research here and see if there was like an in, a key injury here that I missed. I didn't see anything. But even if, if there even if there was an injury, I'm not sure that it would change my mind because the thought is is that the Arkansas State defense is is still bad enough that they're going to give up points. That I don't really care who's playing for James Madison's offense. You know, I think they're going to score a lot of points. So um, I am adding another unit to the over in the James Madison Arkansas State game. Now it is at 55 and a half. So first unit at over 58, second unit at over 55 and a half. And then the other game that, that we mentioned, uh, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. I, I mentioned that I, I liked Vanderbilt, or excuse me, Ole Miss's defense, what I've seen from them this season. And the number was at 60. I said it was a, a dead number. You know, if under if it goes down to 59, great play under 59. If it goes up, you know, 61, 62, play, play under that number. And I can't believe it. It's gone up to 62, exactly like what I said. So um, I am going to be playing the under 62 and Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, and that's going to be a two-unit play for me. I feel like we saw a game very similar to this earlier in the season when Georgia Tech went to, went to Ole Miss, and Ole Miss got up 45 nothing, and then just did absolutely nothing. Yeah, and, and so I can definitely see that happening uh, in this game as well. You know, Vanderbilt may get a touchdown. I, I don't think you're going to get much more than that. So uh, under 62 in, in the Ole Miss-Vanderbilt game for, for two units. All right, and then uh, I, the only other thing I would do want to talk about, we talked about LSU-Tennessee in the first episode. I don't have any other plays to add to this, but I am curious your thoughts on this one. I grabbed the four with LSU at home, and I said that's just way too many points. Sure enough, that number's up to two and a half. That's quite mm. a move, quite a lot of value that we've generated. Yeah, yeah. If you had silent, if you if you watched episode one and you said, okay, four is too many points, I'm going to grab the four. I'm seeing that two and a half. And I'm wondering at some point, is it worth it to try for a middle? Do we think this is going to be a tight enough ball game where we can get the win and push at four or the double win at three, the most key number of ball? Now it has to be a Tennessee win by three. But it, yeah. it, it, you got some options here if you took that four. Yeah. I'm looking at that. I'm, it's not like a, it's, it's a small window, but it does make me wonder. Uh, unlike you, like, you know, Tennessee's still like a good team. Now on the other side of three mm -hmm. is a little bit different of a story than that plus four I was able to grab in episode one. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm wondering based on the line movement so far, and I, I have no idea if this would happen, but would this go down even further? Would it eventually get closer to a, a pick them? I, I don't think it would, but I mean, LSU playing a home game, tough team, you know, Brian Kelly, well, well coached. You don't, you don't feel like LSU is going to beat themselves or anything like that. So, you know, maybe I could see this getting closer to a pick since it's being, being played in Baton Rouge. I don't think it would. But anyway, I guess where I'm going with this is you might have a little more runway there. Maybe it gets down to two, one and a half or, or something like that. And so I think if if you were interested in that, I think I would wait till later in the week. I don't know if I'd necessarily jump at two and a half. Okay. And, and it's interesting, I think, but I, I 
can't recall exactly what we said, but I, I feel like we both said we would make this LSU like minus two or minus two and a half. So yeah. it's, or it should be Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, two and a uh, half, yeah. Which is funny that that's exactly where it's heading. And so that's yeah. why I was like, grab the fours, yeah. a lot of value. There. Okay. Have like Apparently a lot of people agreed with us. Apparently, yeah. It's yeah. it's like I always say, right? The, the number tends to move our direction most of the time. Yeah. Not always. Occasionally, it goes the other direction. I'm confused, but usually it goes our way. Is another example of that. There. Uh, all right. Well, any parting words then for this episode? Before we get to episode three in 24 hours, we bring Jake on and uh, and talk about the remaining set of games. This was an exciting episode uh, too for for this week. This is going to be a great weekend of games. I think I I, I am really excited. I agree. I, I feel like there's just so many good things to talk about. So many good yeah. numbers. It's yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm really excited for this week. And hopefully yeah. uh, if, if it goes south, we'll just come on next week with like bags. Yeah. And it all gets, and it all gets started on a Wednesday night. You don't get many Wednesday night games until yeah. action season. So always got to enjoy those. Yeah. Until yeah. You know, either deep in the playoff baseball or after playoff baseball concludes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picks with the Professor. Check out the website if you haven't yet. It's www.pickswiththeprofessor.com. Also, we get in that Google Sheet with all the good information that's in the show's description, the Patreon link down there in the crawler uh, if you're looking for that. All sorts of goodies. Uh, don't forget to subscribe as well so you can share all the sports betting content we provide on this channel. Just drop right into your feed. We'll see you with some more college football betting content, more Major League Baseball content all week. As always, best of luck and remember, you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your any money 